0: It makes immigration applications easy by allowing the clients to provide information through simple online questionnaires that are shareable by text or email and available in multiple languages. Not only that, DocketWise provides a comprehensive group of case management features, including invoicing and calendaring, secure messaging, task management, and a lot more. You can learn all about DocketWise and receive a 10% discount on your subscription by heading to docketwise.com immigration dash review so they know we sent you. And as always, this show does not constitute legal advice and has no bias other than to keep you up to date and to enable you, my dear colleagues, to excel in court. So without further ado, let's start the review. A short week of cases this week one case. And if you've been listening to the pod of late, that usually means a patron shout out is in order. Before I do though, this week, in addition to slightly amending its Humana Escobar decision from episode 151, the Ninth Circuit overturned a district court judge to hold that the illegal re-entry criminal statute at 8 USC section 1326 was not, in fact, instituted by Congress for racist reasons 70 years ago. Big holding. Also, also this week, the 10th Circuit reminded everyone that, as it stated previously, Oklahoma Aggravated Assault and Battery under Oklahoma Statute Title 21, Section 646 is not a crime of violence. That's U.S.A.V. Brooks, but a whole bunch of things with a little bit of crime of violence. Interested in what the Supreme Court is up to in the non-immigration context? I recommend the podcast Strict Scrutiny Highly. As to those patrons, in addition to the podcast's most generous and longtime attorney supporters of Derek Upchurch, Nanad Milosevic, Brianna Carey, Una Scott, Sharma Crawford, Justin Sweeney, and John Shaw, attorney Patrick Terrell from, if LinkedIn is correct, Grossman Young and Hammond out of Maryland, has joined the fold. Thank you, Patrick, and thank you all patrons, named and unnamed, past, present, and future. Hope to see you all at the ALA National Conference. And great meeting you at the FBA conference, Will Miller. What a nice little nerdy pod community we're sprouting here. Let me know if you'll be in Orlando so we can talk shop. Okay, enough of that. Let's go, BIA. This podcast is sponsored by Journey Business Plans. Journey is the leading business immigration plan writing company in the United States. 10 years, and they know immigration. Heck, they started as an E2 company themselves. Journey prides itself on its responsiveness and overall customer service, preparing business plans for E2, EB2 NIW, L1, EB5, and much more. If you don't yet know about Journey and don't want to listen to just me, ask your colleagues, or even better, try them out. Visit www.journey.com and use promo code REVJOURNEY30 for a 30% discount on your first business plan. That's R-E-V-J-O-O-R-N-E-Y-3-0. Or click on the link in the show notes. This podcast is also sponsored by Capital Good Fund. Millions of families seeking to improve their immigration status face financial barriers due to the high cost of legal services. Nonprofit Capital Good Fund is working to make these resources available to all, especially those who would otherwise not qualify for traditional loans. Certified CDFI Capital Good Fund is partnering with attorneys to provide the financial services families need. They offer affordable financing with no closing fee or down payments for those working with attorneys to move their case forward and get attorneys out of the accounts receivable business. To learn more about the program, email immigration at goodfund.us or call 866-584-3651 and tell them who sent you. Our first and only case, Matter of Pugachev, published by the BIA. Big old categorical approach case out of the board. Thanks for publishing at the beginning of the week, though. Mr. Pugachev is a lawful permanent resident from a country unmentioned. In 2017, he was convicted of burglary in the second degree in violation of Section 140.251D of the New York Penal Law. If it's an aggravated felony, it means that Mr. Pugachev loses his green card an immigration judge held that it was an Agfel because it was a theft or burglary offense, as defined under INA section 101A43G. DHS had alleged that it was also a crime of violence aggravated felony under INA section 101A43F, but the IJ didn't reach that conclusion, deeming it unnecessary. Let's do them both, said the BIA, off the record. I have sources. Both alleged aggravated felony provisions require a sentence to a term of imprisonment of at least one year, and here Mr. Pukachev received that by the court. This decision, therefore, is all about the elements of the offenses. On that issue, the BIA doesn't write on a blank slate. It very recently adjudicated New York's second-degree burglary in matter of VAK, episode 121. In that decision, the BIA deemed this very statute divisible as the subsections 1 and 2 of the offense. Reviewing my notes, matter VAK was all about subsection 2 and its criminalization of a dwelling. The BIA held that burglary of a dwelling, as criminalized at subsection 2, satisfied INA section 11843G in matter VAK. The instant decision, though, is all about subsection 1, and quote, unlike subsection 2 for all other types of burglary under this statute, the least of the acts criminalized is burglary of a building, end quote, not necessarily a dwelling. What difference does that make? All the difference in the world under the categorical approach. Let's dive into that. The Supreme Court is constantly amending the generic definition of burglary as used at the aggravated felony definition at Section 11A43-G. In Mathis, for example, everyone including the Solicitor General agreed that the federal generic burglary definition didn't include unlawful entering of a, quote, land, water, or air vehicle adapted for overnight accommodation, If at least the vehicle could also be used for, quote, the storage or safekeeping of anything of value, end quote. That wouldn't be burglary, said everyone in Mathis, it seems. Now, New York defines a building and thus permits a burglary conviction to include, quote, in addition to its ordinary meaning, any structure, vehicle, or watercraft used for overnight lodging of persons or used by persons for carrying on business therein or used as an elementary or secondary school, or an enclosed motor truck, or an enclosed motor truck trailer, quote. All of those things could be the basis for a burglary conviction in New York. And it seems like it might be broader than the Supreme Court's federal definition of a building as permitted to constitute federal burglary. Indeed it is, said the BIA. See, although the Supreme Court kind of amended what everybody was agreeing to in Mathis and said in United States v. Stit that a, quote, structure, vehicle, or watercraft used for overnight lodging of persons meets this definition, end quote, of burglary. At a minimum, the enclosed motor truck included by New York would not be included in the Supreme Court's definition. That is because, quote, New York law treats such trucks as buildings, even if used only for storage or recreation, as opposed to residential or business purposes, End quote. Technical stuff. But what you therefore need to know, wrote the BIA, is that the New York statute is overbroad in at least one way it criminalizes burglary of an enclosed motor truck that could be used for simply storage, while Supreme Court precedent explains that this is not what federal burglary means. That wins the day for Mr. Pugachev on the aggravated felony burglary issue, unless New York's definition of a building is further divisible between all those structures that can be burglarized. But it is not further divisible. Explain the BIA. The various structures are, quote, illustrative examples, end quote, of how to commit the crime in New York, not specific elements that a jury must find to convict. Restated, all those structures are means, not elements of the offense. As this is our only case this week, the logic employed by the BIA is instructive for other cases. For example, the BIA explains how the New York jury instructions state that the definition of a building. May be given, quote, where appropriate, end quote. But reason to the BIA, quote, if the specific nature of the building were an element rather than a means, this instruction would necessarily always be appropriate to give, end quote. So as it's not always given, it means the jury need not always find which building it was, which further indicates that the type of building at issue is not an element but is instead a means of committing the offense. That means that second-degree burglary under subsection 1 in New York is not an aggravated felony burglary offense. Now, section 11843 g also criminalizes aggravated felony theft offenses, but this statute is not one here, reasoned the BIA, because a New York conviction can occur when a defendant enters a building with the intent to commit any crime, and not simply a theft-type crime. That means that this New York statute is not an aggravated felony as defined at INA Section 101A43G. So the IJ was wrong! Mr. Pugachev gets to keep his green card! No. Because there's still INA Section 101A43F, a crime of violence aggravated felony. Even though the IJ didn't reach the issue, the parties briefed it below, so the BIA believed that it was appropriate to resolve this purely legal issue on appeal. Remember that one, practitioners. Plus, the BIA requested supplemental briefing, which the parties then did. Burglaries used to often be deemed crimes of violence under the definition at 18 U.S.C. Section 16b, until the Supreme Court found that provision unconstitutional in Sessions v. DeMaia. Since then, it seems like courts have been a bit scared to take the plunge and conclude that burglary crimes satisfy the last remaining crime of violence definition at 18 U.S.C. Section 16A, the Elements Clause that we're always talking about on the podcast. And that's because Section 16A is a much narrower definition of a crime of violence than was 16B. 16a requires, quote, an offense that has an element the use, attempted use, or threatened use of physical force against the person or property of another, end quote. All right, so let's do crimes of violence now. Recently in Stokeling, the Supreme Court said, in a quote getting lots of love recently by other courts, that this standard is so low that it can be satisfied by a criminal statute that, quote, includes the amount of force necessary to overcome a victim's resistance, end quote. That's one of the current legal standards used to analyze section 16a offenses. Subsection 2 of the New York burglary law is clearly not a crime of violence, because that simply criminalizes someone entering a dwelling with the intent to commit a crime. No force contemplated or required at all. That conclusion made by the BIA in passing here, by the way, is contrary to a pre demaya Second Circuit decision. Keep that in mind, and really keep all crime of violence decisions in mind that you're reviewing if those decisions were issued pre demaya They might not be good law anymore if the analysis is relying on section 16b elements. But I digress. And again, this decision is all about subsection 1, not subsection 2. If you're not already picking it up, it's a complicated decision. So conducting the analysis, without explaining, at least as far as I can tell, The BIA seems to assume that the four ways of committing a subsection 1 offense, subsections A, B, C, and D, are all themselves separate elements of the crime, making subsection 1 further divisible, it seems. Because the BIA then focused exclusively on subsection 1D, which criminalizes the act of knowingly entering or remaining in a building with the intent to commit a crime therein, and when, quote, in effecting entry or while in the building or in immediate flight therefrom, he or another participant in the crime displays what appears to be a pistol, revolver, rifle, shotgun, machine gun, or other firearm. End quote. That's what subsection 1d requires to effectuate a burglary in New York. To the BIA, this necessarily implies force. Quote, under New York law, in order to display what appears to be a listed weapon, another person must be present to witness it. End quote. That's what the word display means as used in the statute, said the BIA, relying on dictionaries. To define the word display, dictionaries often use the word view, and the use of the word view necessarily implies a viewer. End quote. The jury instructions for the New York crime and New York case law imply the same, reasoned the BIA. And to the BIA, quote, Displaying what appears to be a firearm during the course of a burglary necessarily involves the use, attempted use, or threatened use of physical force, end quote. It is, to the BIA, quote, essentially a criminal threat of force or violence, end quote. The confrontational nature makes it inherently violent and thus a crime of violence. That makes Mr. Pugachev removable for a reason unaddressed by the IJ. I'm exhausted. But there's still temporary appellate immigration judge Brown concurring and dissenting. Judge Brown agrees that the New York burglary crime is not an aggravated felony burglary or theft offense but believes that also it's not a crime of violence. Unlike the majority and passages that I did not mention, Judge Brown doesn't believe that New York burglary is akin to New York robbery. While New York robbery might be a crime of violence, reasons Judge Brown, quote, robbery always involves forcible stealing from a person, and burglary does not, end quote. Nor is Judge Brown persuaded by the majority's analysis regarding the word display relying on the Supreme Court's very recent decision in Bourdain, Judge Brown explains, for example, that, quote, the language of the model jury instructions does not require the type of directness or targeting described in Bourdain, end quote. Nor is there anything, quote, in the statute that requires the person perceiving the display to be the victim of the crime rather than a bystander or another defendant, end quote nor is the majority's assumption that second-degree burglary is a confrontational crime a correct assumption, reasoned Judge Brown. Really, Judge Brown provides many arguments to make should a similar, yet slightly distinct, statute not yet adjudicated by the BIA ever come your way. As to me, I'm still not sure where in the decision the BIA concluded that subsection 1 was internally divisible, such that the BIA could analyze sub-subsection D separately from sub-subsections 1A, 1B, and 1C. Did I miss it? Flood my inbox. And that is Matter of Pugachev. So there you have it you're all caught up with the past week's published immigration cases. I'm Kevin A. Gregg, a partner with the law firm Kurzban, Kurzban, Tetzeli & Pratt, and this has been another episode of Immigration Review. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with a friend and rate and review us. Each review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, subscribe to Immigration Review wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what we do and want to become a patron of the show, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash immigration review, or click on the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in an official Immigration Review CLE certificate for five credit hours, email me at kgregg at kktplaw.com with your full name and the episode numbers for the ten shows you've listened to. Also, Feel free to email me with questions, comments, or anything at all, and follow the show on Instagram and Facebook, at Immigration Review, and send us a tweet, at ImReview, that's I-M-M Review. I'll be back next Monday for a brand new discussion. Until then, I'm Kevin A. Gregg, bringing you the Immigration Review.